The Braves come out hot but fizzle late as they drop game one to the Dodgers. Today's episode, we're going to break down Michael Harris' early season struggles, why he's struggling so much, and what he can do to turn things around. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shorts.ball. You can also check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore braves. Send in any comments, questions, or feedback that you have for the podcast. You're new on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. You're watching there as well. Hit that thumbs up button to help support the show. And thank you so much to all the support that you give me here at Lockdown Braves. Thanks for making us your first listen to each and every day. And thanks to all my everydayers out there. And bear with me here for a second. I'm a couple days behind, but I want to make sure I shout out all of my everydayers. Raymond Valter, Frank Jose, David Thrash, and almost everydayer Marty Newell, Will McShane for podcast and postcast. A lot of you let me know that you listen to the podcast and the postcast every day. I really appreciate that. Dan Carpentieri, uh, make your life easier. Says it's a twice a day listener. Jacob wrestled, uh, Adam Dodd, Brian McGrath, Debbie Humes, Chad Will, Willie, Brad Dixon, too much. T. Cooley, an almost everydayer. Uh, Joe Mixon, several times a day. Uh, Arun Bharacharya from Kathmandu, Nepal. Sorry that I butchered that, but that was so cool. Thank you so much for letting me know where you're listening from as well. Got to be one of my farthest away listeners. I really appreciate you letting me know that. Sam Hogg, Annabelle Self, David Agnesia, Nestor D, Darren Day, uh, part of the first K, Darren says. So that's great uh, to hear as well. Wendy uh, Mejia says day one listener. Jimmy Wiley and Joe Me also says been here since day one. I know you have Joe. Appreciate all the support you've given me on this channel. Thank you again to all my everydayers. Let me know down in the comment section if you are an everyday listener and part of the everyday gang here at Locked On Braves. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed with game time on today's episode we'll talk about monday's game got out to a fast start everything was looking good and then everything fell apart for the atlanta braves in an eight six loss to the dodgers charlie morton just did not have it offense could not put the game away early and then we're going to break down michael harris going to spend a lot of time on today's podcast talking about michael harris the struggles that he is having what's going on with him there are there signs of him breaking out of things soon so we'll talk about that later in the podcast but let's start with monday's game a really tough one that they let get away you score four runs in the first inning you got charlie morton on the mound your veteran who's been really good his last four starts you feel like that's gotta be a win going up against the dodgers i know it's a really good team but you feel like that's gotta be a win acuna leads off the game with a hit again a ball that he absolutely smoked hit over the center fielder's head for a double hardest hit ball of the game right out of the gate. This time it was Sean Murphy who brought him in and the Braves take an early lead. Eddie Rosario has a three-run homer in that first inning. Again, Braves up 4-0. Charlie Morton on the mound. You feel like, first of all, that 
you're going to score a lot of runs in this game and you're feeling like Charlie Morton's going to be able to get you through five or six innings pretty easily and you know keep things relatively low as in terms of scoring for the Dodgers neither of those things happen the rest of the way and they've done this a lot lately where they'll score those early runs they'll get a first inning run or two and it feels like they have the starting pitcher on the ropes but they can't quite get that knockout blow it seems like that's been the case a lot here lately and, and really I think a lot this season they'll get those early runs They'll get the pitcher's pitch count up early, and then you look up, and next thing you know, that pitcher's through five innings. He's working into the sixth inning. They're just not able to get that knockout punch to take out that starting pitcher and really put the game away. Now, that being said, this game's not on the offense. They score six runs. That needs to be enough to win with this pitching staff. And again, with Charlie Morton on the mound, that was a rough one for Charlie Morton. He looked pretty good through the first two or three innings. For me, I started to see signs really in that second inning, going against the bottom of their order and had some long at-bats, a lot of 3-2 counts, just wasn't able to locate and put hitters away. And then that just kind of progressed and got even worse as he worked into the third and fourth and fifth innings. And it just was really a struggle for him tonight, really battled his command, completely went away from the fastball there for a while and was just featuring that curveball, which is a really good pitch for him and was still really effective tonight. But you're going up against a Dodgers lineup and you become you know, a one-pitch pitcher, they're going to catch on to that and you're going to make a mistake like you did at Freddie Freeman and it's going to cost you the game and it's exactly what happened. But he just lost all confidence in that fastball. He was he was jerking it, you know, uh, glove side, uh, spiking it in the ground. He just did not have any feel for that fastball in the middle innings there. And again, just primarily went to that curveball and a big spot against Freddie Freeman, gave up that big three-run homer and he struck out Freddie Freeman in his first at bat, but then it was Freddie Freeman just owning the Braves after that, which I hate to see. I uh, did love, did enjoy, I shouldn't say love, I did enjoy seeing the Braves fans give him his standing ovation. I still think he's worthy of that for what he did with this franchise, but glad that the hoopla was not nearly as big this year as it was last year, and hopefully it gets even less as the years go on. It's the first time this year Charlie Morton's given up multiple home runs in a start. He's been really good about that. And, you know, he gave up the solo home run to J.D. Martinez early. You'll take that solo home run. But, again, that three-run homer to Freddie Freeman, really big blow in this game. And for me, and I tweeted this out, for me there were three really big moments in this game that really turned this game, decided this game in the Dodgers' favor where the Braves just did not execute the first of which was that Freddie Freeman at bat. Top of the fifth inning, Braves are still up 4-3 to three at this point. There's two on, no out, so the Dodgers are maybe looking at a big inning here anyways. But you get up on Freddie Freeman in a 1-2 count. You had thrown him three straight curveballs. They tried to throw a fourth. It looked like Murphy wanted it down and away, like maybe they were trying to backdoor it, which I don't love that idea either because we've just seen Freddie Freeman you know, shoot a ball the other way with two strikes far too often. I was with Frenchie on the broadcast. I thought if you run a fastball up and in on him there, that's probably a strikeout or, or a pop out right there. But they try to go curveball again down and away. Charlie Morton misses it over the middle of the plate. I get it's a 0.77 expected batting average on that, but it's a miss in location. It's a pitch over the heart of the plate. Freddie Freeman gets enough on it and keeps it fair for the three-run homer. And, you know, that you know, obviously gave the Dodgers – 
the lead at that point. That was a big swing in this game. And then bottom of the fifth inning, Braves down 6-5. After they give up that big home run, they come right back. You got two on, one out. Rosario is up there who crushes the Dodgers. He lines out to center field. Really good play by the center fielder there. Murphy doesn't tag up. That would have scored or that would have tied the game there. Who knows how things play out differently from that point. But that was a big play in this game as well where the Braves just didn't execute. And then the last one for me, top of the sixth inning, Braves were down six to five, one on, two out, bets up. You got a one-two count once again in this uh, in this game. You had Snicker takes out Jimenez, first of all, which I, I don't get that decision at all, and brings in Mentor, and I don't get that decision at all. But still, I thought Minter had a chance. You pounded him inside with four straight fastballs. You decide to go with the cutter, and I've been very vocal. I think the cutter is just not an effective pitch for A.J. Minter this year, especially in the zone. But you pound him in with four straight fastballs, and then you want to go cutter in. I'm fine with that. I think that's the right call there, but Minter doesn't execute it. And I've said, you're going to throw that cutter. It's got to be off the plate. If that cutter is in the zone right now, it's getting absolutely demolished. It is in the zone. He doesn't get it far enough in. Mookie Betts is able to get the barrel to it, drives it in left field for a big add-on run there for the Dodgers. Ends up being pretty much the deciding run in this game. That was the seventh run they scored in an 8-6 final there. So those were three big plays in this game where Braves just didn't execute, and I thought it really cost them in this one. Now, a couple of positives from this game. Acuna heads up play, takes third after a walk to Olsen. Uh, In that sixth inning where the Braves were making that, or the bottom of the fifth inning, the Braves were making that comeback. Just a heads-up play there. The narrative that Acuna doesn't carry, doesn't hustle, I I don't know where that's still coming from at this point, but you see plays like that, and you just throw those narratives out the window. Really heads-up play there by Acuna. Austin Riley, some good at-bats on this night. Had two walks. First one, he fell behind 1-2. And then fouled off a good fastball in and then was able to work the walk. And then the hit that he has on an it was on a 95 mile per hour sinker dotted down and in. And he's able to get under that and drive it down the, into the left field corner. That was a very encouraging at bat right there. It seems like Riley and Olsen right now, it's kind of back and forth. One will have a good game. Looks like they're breaking out of it. And then Olsen goes over four in this night. So it's kind of back and forth with those two right now, which is fine. If you know Acuna's doing what he's doing, and then you just get one of those other guys going, it's typically typically going to be a good night for the offense. And again, this game wasn't on the offense. They scored six runs. That needs to be enough. And Ozuna stays hot. Two hits the other way. I talked about this on the postcast with Grant McCauley. He's doing the little things now to become a a productive offensive player. It's not just home run or bust. He's taking his walks. He's hitting the ball the other way for singles. He's becoming more of a complete and well-rounded offensive player. Can he keep it up? That's the question right now. But in the month of May, at least, he is showing me that he can be a fully rounded, productive player. And it's not just you know, a one trick pony. It's not a home run or bust for him right now. He's doing other little things offensively to be a productive member of the lineup right now. So you got to keep running him out there. I know everybody's talking about you want Murphy and Travis Darno in there every day. Sam Hilliard's not getting any at bats, but you got to ride this streak with Ozuna because, again, history tells us it may not last, but right now at least. He is on fire. He's also causing a little bit of drama with that backswing, that wild backswing that he has, hitting Will Smith. Look, I I get it from Will Smith's standpoint. Azuna does this all the time, and I don't know why more catchers don't get upset at it. 
I don't know what Ozuna can do about it. It's just his swing, but he hits a lot of catchers with that wild backswing of his and caused a little bit of drama on Monday night. We'll see how that unfolds throughout this series because I can almost guarantee you it won't be the last time Ozuna does that in this series. All right, next, I want to turn our attention to Michael Harris, one of the biggest talking points in Braves country right now on our Taco Tuesday segment. What's going on with Michael Harris? How can we fix it? We'll discuss that next. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. I've been playing it all season long. I actually forgot to set my lineup on Monday, and I really hate that I, I forgot to do that, but been having a lot of fun with So Rare all season long. They have two cycles throughout the week to give you multiple chances to win prizes, and those prizes get amazing once you move up in competition from scarcity cards game tickets merchandise signed jerseys vip experiences it really does get like some really good prizes as you get up there depending on the competition you're playing if you haven't joined the so rare revolution so far make sure that you go to SoRare.com slash locked on to do so as it helps support the show when you do that again that's SoRare.com slash locked on to draft your team of free player cards set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards. The Braves play the Dodgers on Tuesday night again at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Hopefully this time it will start on time. We'll see if the Braves can even up the series, catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. All right, it's our Taco Tuesday segment where we talk about the biggest stories in Braves country that you're talking about on Twitter and we discussed them here on the podcast. And I think without a doubt, one of the biggest stories in Braves country right now is what is wrong with Michael Harris after Monday's game. He's slashing 163, 242, 244, no power at all right now. Eight walks, 20 strikeouts, four doubles and one home run. This has not been the Michael Harris that we were hoping for. Uh, certainly you could have maybe expected a little bit of a, regression step back in his sophomore season but it's been really really bad for Michael Harris for a pretty good stretch of time now he has had the injuries and he's been up and down we'll kind of discuss that later but first let's start with the stats let's start with the analytics to dive into those and see if maybe we see some trends some reasons why he is struggling right now these are coming into Monday um, but you look at you look at a lot of these statistics and it's really hard to judge. It was kind of the same thing with AJ Minter until we did a deep dive there and you could see that cutter. He's missing a lot with it over the plate and it's getting hit extremely hard and you can kind of figure out exactly what's going on with Minter. This is kind of the same thing. You look at just the, the overall analytics for Michael Harris and nothing really jumps out at you. His barrel percentage, it's from 10.1% last year to 9.2% this year. Not that big of a decrease. Average exit velocity, 89.5 to 88.7. Hard hit percentage, 45.1 to 44.6. K percentage is actually down, 24.3% to 18.7%. Walk rate, it's up, 4.8% to 8.8%. His swing percentage, I've seen a lot of you say, I asked on Twitter what you thought was going wrong, wrong with him. A lot of you saying he's just swinging too much and chasing too much. 
Well, his chase percentage went from 39% to just 34.1% this year, and his swing percentage is, went from 42.4% to 42.9%. So that's just not true, and it may look like it. In, and look, to me, when I'm watching this, my eyes are telling me he's really struggling, and he looks just as bad as I've seen a lot of you say. But when you look at the, the, the facts and the stats and the analytics, it's telling you something different. He's not swinging you know, wildly. He's not chasing a lot of pitches. With percentage, 28.1% to 28.7%. Now, here's one that is way up. His first pitch strike percentage has gone from 55.3% to 71.4%. He is constantly falling behind in the count. And, you know, that's obviously a sign of somebody who's really struggling with that first pitch strike percentage is way up. His ground ball percentage, I've seen a lot of you saying he's hitting way too many ground balls this year. His ground ball percentage is down this year from 55.8% to 53.8%. Now, here's where you see the, the differences in the stats from last year to this year, maybe where some of these struggles are coming in. Fly ball percentage, 17.9% up to 23.1%. Putting the ball in the air way too much. Sweet spot percentage, 32.8% to 23.1%. That's that 8 to 32 degree launch angle. He's not finding that sweet spot often enough. First pitch swing percentage, 26.3% up to 38.5%. That's where you, you are seeing that over-aggressive approach from Michael Harris. Line drive percentage, 22.4% down to 12.3%. Again, not squaring up the baseball, not hitting line drives. Pull percentage, this is something that a lot of you mentioned that is very true. 32.1% to 38.5%, pulling the ball far too often and way too much right now. Average against the fastballs, really struggling against fastballs right now. He hit 342 against fastballs last year. This season, 135. So really struggling you know, in, in that area with the fastballs, pulling too much and not finding that sweet spot. So what does this mean? Why is this happening? The missing of the fastball seems like a timing issue for me, which I think is very legitimate with the fact that he's been up and down. He's been injured. I think he's just off the fastball right now. I think a lot of that has to do with timing. The first pitch swing, it, it seems like somebody who's pressing, somebody who's trying to make up for lost time, and somebody who's not very confident when he gets behind in the count right now. So I think that has a lot to do with the first pitch swing percentage. The sweet spot and line drive percentage I think those are the two stats you can look at and obviously point to the fact that the, the swing path is off, the mechanics maybe you're off a little bit, or he's just not recognizing pitches. Uh, the pull rate, again, I think is another thing you can look at with the mechanics as well and just saying he's pulling off the balls too much, his front side is flying open, his hips are, are flying open, and he's pulling the ball entirely too much. I think that is also a mechanical issue that he's having right now. He's seeing a lot of pitches on the outer half this year, and I'm sorry I didn't write this down. Somebody on Twitter mentioned this as well, and it's true when you look at the numbers. He's getting pitched on the outer half a lot this year, and yet you're seeing that pull rate go up. And that's not what we saw from Michael Harris last year. Last year he had 32 hits the other way in the outfield, balls that landed in the outfield. You were seeing that left-center gap power that he had. So far this year, he has one hit in the air the other way this season. One hit right now. And I don't think it's a lack of him going the other way. When you look at his spray charts on his balls in play, he's still hitting the ball 
the other way a good bit, but it's the type of contact that he's making. He's not making that solid contact the other way. He's had 11 flyouts in the outfield the other this the other way. Um, six, or sorry, just in general, he's had 11 out, uh, flyouts in the outfield, six of them to left field. So again, he's still taking the ball the other way. It's the type of contact he's making the other way. Way too many flyouts on the infield. He's had 10 flyouts on the left side of the infield alone. Again, that all points back to the fact he's not finding that sweet spot right now. He's not squaring up the baseball. And last year where all those balls were line drives into the gap or line drives through the hole, through the infield the other way, they're all pop-ups right now. They're all easy flyouts or easy ground balls, balls that are, are topped into the ground. Uh, Jordan Griffey, on that question I asked on Twitter, I thought he had one of the better responses about the struggles for Michael Harris. He said, 2022, he outperformed his BABIP. 2023, he's underperforming it. He's walking more, striking out less, and his hard hit percentage is up from 2022, which is all we, what we just talked about. And as Jordan said, that's all great. But he is also hitting drastically fewer line drives and more ground balls or flyouts. To me, that is pointing to something mechanical. And I, I think that sums up pretty perfectly right now what the struggles are with Michael Harris. Again, Everything else you look at points to what we saw last year and is on par with what we saw last year. It's really just the type of contact that he's making. Now, Jordan mentioned Babbitt batting average on balls in play. It was 361 last year. That's absurdly high. However, it is in line with his minors numbers. You know, somebody with his speed can have a very high Babbitt like that. That is still absurdly high, and you expected some regression there, but his BABIP this year is 203. That is insanely low and unsustainably low. But again, I think it points to the type of contact that he's making. He's not getting those line drives. He's either topping it into the ground or he's popping it up. And again, I think that is mechanical. I think that is the one thing right now you can look at that is mechanical. Now, why is that the case? Is it injury related? A lot of you made that point on Twitter that you think it's injury related. And I do too. And I think it certainly has to be a factor here, whether it's the knee or the back that's bothering him or the fact that he's been up and down. And he, I think that's, you know, attributing to some of the timing issues that he's having. But there certainly is something mechanical here that is holding him back. I am not smart enough. I'm not a hitting coach to, to know exactly what that is, other than you can clearly see he's pulling off the ball a lot and that front side's flying open, as I mentioned earlier. But is that just strictly injury related? I don't know, but certainly I think the injuries are playing a factor into this. Has the league adjusted to him? That was something else a lot of you said on Twitter, that the league is adjusting to him. I actually don't buy that quite as much. I think that you know certainly is part of what's going on here, but they had plenty of time to adjust to him last year, and they did. If you don't remember, Michael Harris was great out of the gate, then he kind of struggled in that next month as the league did adjust to him, and then he adjusted back. And was that player again? So I don't buy into that too much. Dan had a good comment as well that the league has adjusted to him and he just hasn't been healthy enough or been up long enough to adjust back. Maybe that's the part part of it. But I don't buy the league adjusting to him quite as much as I do blaming it on the injuries. Now, do they send him down? The question a lot of you have been asking and one I've frankly been wondering myself, do you send him down and give him a chance to get fully healthy to work on some things mechanically, get his confidence back 
and then bring him back up. You could give Hilliard a chance every day in center field. He was solid while Michael Harris was out earlier in the year. I don't think we're to that point yet, but I don't think we're very far from that happening. I mean, maybe another two weeks, a month. I don't know if you can go another month with him hitting 160. So I think we are getting to that point, but I don't think we're quite there yet. Because like I said, everything seems to be there. It's just the type of contact that he's having. If he can start to turn that around, barrel up some balls a little bit more, I think you're going to see the Michael Harris we saw last year. And you want to see that happen at obviously the big league level. And the defense that he has is spectacular. And that has certainly been a huge plus for this team. But I think there is a world where if he continues to struggle like this for the next two weeks and you just see him you know, really lost at the plate, that maybe you do have to send him down for a little bit to work on some things mechanically and then bring him back long term. Again, I'm not worried about Michael Harris in the least. The guy is just insanely talented. This is the first time he's ever struggled professionally. I think he's going to get through it. But maybe you do have to send him down to allow him that opportunity to do so in a less stressful environment. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. I want to see him get going because once he does, again, it just really makes this offense even more deadly and potent. But right now he is just a he's a guaranteed out in the lineup and it's not looking good, whether it's mechanical, injury related. Got to figure that out. Got to snap out of this because he's too talented. He's too good to be struggling as much as he is right now. All right, hopefully you enjoyed that breakdown. You, if you want to continue that conversation, let's do so in the comment section on YouTube. Leave me a comment there, and I try to get to all of those as well. All right, next I'll set you up for game two. It's going to be Spencer Strider Day. He's going to be looking to bounce back from a rough outing he had his last time out. We'll discuss that next. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy, fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have Killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting pumped up for all the fun you're going to have, just like I did on opening day for the Atlanta Braves when I went to game time at the last minute to find some parking tickets. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use our code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. You know, you're buying tickets to the Braves game. Anyway, might as well save yourself 20 bucks. Download the game time app. Use our code locked on MLB. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Not a lot of news coming out of Monday either, and I'll be covering the SEC baseball tournament this week as well. So if you see me on Twitter tweeting out from uh, college, a lot of college baseball this week, it's because I'll be at that tournament watching those games, getting a look on some of the top prospects coming up in the MLB draft. But on Tuesday night, I'll be tuned in for Braves-Dodgers game two. It's going to be Bobby Miller for the Dodgers, top prospect, making his big league debut going up against Spencer Strider. For Bobby Miller, 19th, Overall prospect in baseball right now, according to MLB Pipeline, 24 years old, a 70-grade fastball. Last year between AA and AAA, a 4.25 ERA, a 1.18 whip, 148 or 145 strikeouts and 37 walks, and 112 in a third inning. So big-time strikeout stuff last year. Haven't seen that so far this year. A 5.65 ERA, but his 1.19 whip tells you perhaps there's been some bad luck involved there just 14 and a third innings this season six walks 
in 12 strikeouts. So hasn't been nearly as dominant to start this season for the Dodgers, but really big stuff. Like I said, one of the better prospects in all of baseball and certainly Dodgers top pitching prospects. So they're hoping for big things from him as they're dealing with a lot of injuries and in their rotation. Spencer Strider, it's been a down month for him. You look at his May totals now, 4.57 ERA, a 1.25 whip and four May starts, seven walks, 37 strikeouts. Need him to kind of get going again. Need his A stuff on Tuesday to help the Braves even up the series. And goes without saying, need him to give the Braves some length and try to stay away from that bullpen right now if they can. Although you obviously do have Anderson and Iglesias ready to go. So seven innings from Strider, Anderson, Iglesias, everybody on board with that. Hopefully that's what we see on Tuesday night. Again, the Braves play the Dodgers on Tuesday night at 7.20 p.m. Eastern, and it's the top prospect, Bobby Miller, going up against NL Cy Young favorite right now, Spencer Strider. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. And thank you to all my everydayers out there. Again, let me know down in the comment section if you are an everydayer. Really enjoy hearing from you that you are. Um, thanks for making Lockdown Braves again your first listen. Make sure you subscribe to us on Twitter or subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 